I am Marlene Venable, and I've been a member of this congregation for a little over two years, um, for almost three years now. It's been my great good fortune to be employed by two agencies that work with the homeless uh, every day. I work for St. Luke's Mobile Medical and also for Holy Cross uh, Hope House, which is a day shelter in downtown Shreveport. Uh, I've spoken briefly to you before about our work with the homeless, but I wanted to do it a little bit differently today. Apparently, well not apparently, obviously, uh, poverty and homelessness uh, are not unique to our day and age. They are ancient problems. And in the Old Testament, the prophet Amos, uh, who's written a book with his name on it, had quite a bit to say about that. He was a fire and brimstone kind of preacher. And he's preaching to what we would today call the beautiful people, uh, the folks who own luxury properties all over the world, um, who fly to those and uh, visit those in their own private jets, the people who can drop a million dollars to get their children into certain colleges, uh, the women who carry handbags and shoes that cost more than most people in the world earn in a year. Uh, it's a long chapter and I won't read it all to you, but you'll get the idea. Uh, he says, hear this, uh, you who trample the needy, to do away with the humble of the land, saying, when will the new moon be over so that we can sell grain again and the Sabbath that we can open the wheat market to make the bushel smaller and the shekel bigger? I will come about, I will not forget your deeds, and I will come about in that day and make the sun go down at noon and the earth dark in broad daylight, and I will turn your festivals into mourning and your songs into lamentations. He's pretty ticked off at those people, but the people he's thinking about are the unbeautiful people. And those are the ones we see standing in line for meals or free food, the folks who carry everything they own on their back, looking for a safe place to sleep at night or a place to sit down in the shade this summer, uh, the folks who uh, are standing or in line at the, the grocery store trying to find their food stamp card, and they're humiliated because they know that all of us in line behind them are irritated and in a hurry for them to get on with it and get out of the way. The not so beautiful people. Uh, globally, the estimate is that one billion, that's billion with a B, one billion people are homeless around the world. Now in other countries, that tends to be because of famine or natural disaster, war, and corrupt government. In the United States, certainly some of that has to do with corrupt government and income inequality. But Alan Graham, who's the founder of the Community First Village in Austin, says the number one cause of homelessness is a fractured family. And the day I heard him say that, I thought I would start crying because it is absolutely uh, the bottom line, and it's the truth. Without a family, people have no safety net. Without relationships, when something goes wrong, death, you lose your spouse, catastrophic illness, you lose all your money and then you lose your home. Incarceration, 
you come out and there's no place to go. Um, mental illness and substance abuse. You don't have the money for treatment or you're too into your addiction or too mentally ill to know you need treatment and your family's thrown up their hands and had enough. Those people uh, have nowhere else to go and they're out on the street. In the United States, it's estimated that every night about half a million people uh, are homeless and we're talking either they're on the street on a bench, under a bridge, in a tent, or they're in an emergency shelter. In Shreveport, we did a point in time count in January and counted over about 367 people, and that count really only covered downtown and the central business district. It didn't get out into the outlying areas where we know there are homeless camps. The cost in dollars and cents is figured to be about um, 35, 37, excuse me, 10 billion a year. That's not just in services to the homeless, that is in lost product, uh, productivity, lost taxes, people who can't pay child support, all the things that are affected when folks can't work. But the dollars and cents is not the only cost. The humanitarian cost can't be calculated. In humiliation, in loss of home, loss of job, loss of family, loss of self-respect. Um, we have to remember, and sometimes it's hard, we have to remember that homeless people are unique individuals just like us. And at one time, many of them had homes, just like we did. Not all, some were thrown away as young children, and it's the only life they've ever known. But many of them actually had homes and had things going for them and disaster struck. I'm gonna give you a couple of examples of that. Uh, Chuck is 70 years old. Uh, all his life he worked in constructions as a cement finisher and he developed arthritis and couldn't work anymore. Lost his wife, lost his home, the children were grown and gone. And then one day he decided he had cancer because he had symptoms of cancer and it runs in his family. Not being a man who wanted to go to the doctor, he decided the thing to do was to pack up and move to Shreveport where the family couldn't find him to bother him and tell him what to do and where he wouldn't be a burden to anyone else. He's living in a tent out on the Red River. He likes to fish, so he eats a lot of fish and he comes to Hope House every day that he's able to get there because his arthritis is terrible. You can hear him groan as he climbs the stairs to come up to the second floor where he helps clean and he helps serve whatever food is brought to us that day and he trims the rose bushes out in the front yard. He came because he discovered us and he made a connection with us. We have a relationship with Chuck. Two weeks ago, he finally said, I'll go to the doctor. And if he says I'm going to live, then we can talk about housing. If he says I'm going to die, I'm going to die in that tent on the river. So Thursday, Chuck and I are going to the doctor. And I'm hoping that the doctor tells him he's going to live and our next step is to get him off the street. Sherry is 60 years old. She was once a wife. She has grown children. Uh, after her husband left, she went to work with one of her grown sons in construction and they traveled the country and she lived in motels. 
Eventually, she couldn't do construction work anymore, but one of the motels let her live there and in exchange for her to clean the place. Her COPD became so bad that she could hardly walk across a room without stopping to breathe, and so the motel let her go, and when they did, <coughs> she lost her home. She's living in a tent and comes to Hope House every day to use the nebulizer that she has to have on a daily basis. Um, she's not qualified for any housing grants because the criteria is that you have to have a diagnosis of mental illness or substance abuse, and she doesn't. Right now, she's waiting for disability to come through so she can rent her own apartment. In the meantime, she eats with us and she uses her uh, nebulizer in my office. Mr. Connors spent almost his entire young life in and out of prison. When he was released the last time, it was 26 years ago, he was totally traumatized and would not deal with any social service person at all. He found a warehouse with a loading dock and he started sleeping on the loading dock. The men who ran the warehouse would let him sleep inside in really bad weather. But for many, many years, he's been camped out on that loading dock. The director of Hope House, Donna Ernest, met him and tried and tried and tried to talk to him about housing, which he repeatedly refused. Last summer when she went to see him, he could no longer stand or walk. She called Hope Connections and one of the outreach workers came and that young man and Donna lifted Mr. Connors up kind of like the Good Samaritan and put him in a truck and got him into senior housing that day. His health continued to deteriorate, but he was clean and warm and dry. He died two months ago. Uh, no family. We were his only friends. His uh, funeral will be at Holy Cross Episcopal Church in two weeks, and his ashes will be interred in the Rose Garden. Mr. Connors made a connection with our director, and it changed his life. Wasn't the life that you and I would want, but it was a better one than he had had before. Uh, all our homeless people need food, clothing, and shelter. Many need mental health care. Everybody needs good health care. Many need substance abuse treatment. All are not qualified for the services that are available because federal grants have restrictions on them that everyone can't meet. So, it is my enormous pleasure to tell you today that a group of people have come together as the board of directors for the Settled In Village. Uh, Tina Hines has agreed to be on our board. They're meeting Thursday to elect the officers. 501C3 papers are already in process. We have a donor lined up with $10,000 waiting to tell us what bank to deposit it in. And we are going to build a tiny house village for the homeless people in Shreveport. <laughs> who are not served elsewhere. Uh, if you're interested in the tiny house village, I can talk about it all day, but you can see uh, a beautiful one in Austin. Their um, website will show you pictures of the houses which are designed by architects. Everyone's different. The village is completely self-sufficient uh, and we hope to get to that point at 
at some time. We already have the first three clients selected who will be the, uh, the point men to go in and train everyone else who comes in uh, how to live in community. Because if you've been on the street for a long time, you probably don't know that. If you'd like to know what you can do right now to help as we proceed in the tiny house mo uh, uh, movement, we'll need money and we'll need labor. Right now, more than anything, uh, Hope House and um, St. Luke's need insect spray. Our people are living outside and being eaten alive by mosquitoes. They also need sunblock and they need caps. They need water bottles. We can always use tents and we can always use bedrolls. We can always use bus passes because they don't have transportation and they need to go a lot of places that are just not feasible uh, for most of them. There are a lot of physical disabilities among our people. Some of the distances are just too great even for somebody who's in really good physical shape. You can bring a meal. Call us and ask us when. We'll take breakfast or lunch or both. You can do it one time or you can do it on a rotating basis. Uh, we're open. Just call us and tell us what you would like to do or what you would like to give and we'll tell you when we can do it. These are our friends and I always remember that it could have been me. And maybe some of you think the same thing, that could have been you. Thank you.